Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. As Christians, we ought to make every effort to live our lives without financial debt. That said, however, we are exhorted to continue to pay on our debt to love one another. Our debt to love each other will in fact never be paid off in this life. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 13 and learn how we can continue to pay on our debt of love. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to another teaching, a new teaching. Um, wow, man, I'm uh, just blessed. It's a blessed and beautiful and... Uh, you know, just wonderful Saturday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, right? Spending time with Jesus. I, uh, my wife and I met with, uh, with two couples this weekend, young couples, um, young marrieds, you know, in their uh, early 20s. I think three of them are 22 and one of them is, uh, one of the guys is 24. Uh, one of the couples has been married two months. And uh, the other couple um, has been dating for a couple of months, but I mean, they're strong, Christ-centered, biblical couples, and they're they're preparing for marriage. And so it's just it's just a blessing. Um, and uh, and and I was talking to them, and if I had said if if I could just if I could just share one thing with you, one thing to work on. Um, and, and we should obviously be working on a dozen things in our Christian life, right? But if I could share one thing to work on, it would be that the name of Jesus would be on your tongue more and more and more and more. And every time you were going to use the word God, that you would look to replace it with the name Jesus. Jesus is God, right? But when you say Jesus, you're making it specific. There's no, quote, power in the word God, but there is overwhelming and immense and transformative power in the name Jesus, right? Um, again, it's, uh, it's something that if we had the name Jesus, or if we will give ourselves over to the name Jesus, and using the name Jesus, thinking about Jesus more and more and more and more, we will grow in our relationship with him exponentially more simply by doing that. And as pastors and ministers, okay, if you listen to the average sermon from a good sound pastor, regrettably, you'll hear the word God, you know, maybe 50 times. Maybe you'll hear the name Jesus three or four times. So I would challenge any ministers, right, that listen to this, anyone that, that you know, that, that's consistently preaching or teaching the word of God, go back and look how often you use the word God. And there's no sin in it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing great about it either. Okay. And how often is the name Jesus? And if you go back and review your sermons and teachings, you'll see that you could have replaced the word God with the name Jesus in probably 80 to 90% of the places, right? Um, 
you know, instead of saying, you know, God wants to bless you, Jesus wants to bless you. Now, of course, we have a triune God, right? One being, three separate, distinct individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, it's just a, a quick exhortation here at the beginning. Um, we're going to finish Romans 13 today, Lord willing, verses 8 to 14. I mean, tremendous verses. Again, Paul is in the first half of the chapter just dealing with, with how we're to handle government. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's going to get into some now just the relational concepts of how we how we deal with one another. And it's uh, uh, the importance is overwhelming. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you for becoming a human man for us, Lord Jesus, for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. We thank you for standing in the way and taking the wrath of God for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking the wrath of God the Father on our behalf. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for keeping us from an eternity in hell. And Lord, we thank you that you're alive and risen, Lord Jesus, and we worship you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Romans 13, verses 8 to 14. Good stuff now here, y'all. All right. All right, verse eight, Corinne. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Wow. Verse 11. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Wow. Look at that verse 14. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We need to put on Jesus Christ every day. We need to get dressed with Jesus, right? You notice he didn't say rather clothe, your, clothe yourselves with God, right? Paul's specific here. Rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. There's nothing better we can do every moment of every day, of every week, of every year, of every decade, of every lifetime than to clothe ourselves and put on Jesus and put on more Jesus. Put on your Jesus gloves. Put on your Jesus shirt. Put on your Jesus pants. Put on your Jesus glasses, okay? That's all a metaphor. I don't know if y'all got that, but rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Wow. The more you put on Jesus, the more you won't think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I've said this before, okay? Uh, if you're in Jesus Christ today, the power has been taken from your sinful nature, but it is not eradicated by any means, okay? It's still there. That's why we still, you know, it still can tempt us to, to gratify its evil desires, okay? So the more we think about Jesus, put on Jesus, talk about Jesus, preach Jesus, 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 in itself, that will immensely help us to not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Because if you, if you think about it, when you're putting on Jesus, and when Jesus is on the center of your mind, you're really not thinking about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature, right? A man that's going to go look at porn or a woman that's going to go look at porn. In the time that you're going to go look at that pornography and, and exercise that lust, you don't have Jesus at the forefront of your mind as you're doing that, do you? Certainly not. Nobody, when they're looking to gratify the desires of their sinful nature, not only in lust, but in anything, right? In greed, right? In selfishness. You don't at the same time have Jesus at the center of your mind. Wow. All right. Verse eight. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Okay, so let no debt remain outstanding. Paul's talking about owing money here. This is not an outlaw to borrow money, but this is a clear exhortation for us as Christians that we ought to work to not be in debt. Doesn't mean you don't go out and get a mortgage, okay? Doesn't mean you don't go out and you know get a car payment, but we ought not be living our lives on debt. We ought not be living above our means where we're consistently going into debt. Now, listen, the majority of Christians are in debt and they have more debt than they ought to have, okay? But we ought to get to a place where we're looking to not live on debt, where, where hopefully the only debt you have is your mortgage and you're in a place of even where you're paying that off, okay? And, and every rational Christian would agree that's a good thing, okay? But it is our duty to pay our debts, okay? Um, you know, sometimes we get in trouble and, you know, the laws of the land and, you know, the United States, you know, they make provision for things like like bankruptcy. And if you've gone through that again, it's passed. The government of the United States has, has dismissed it. And when you start over, you look to do things differently. Right. And again, uh, wherever you are in that, you want to look to be intentional and in paying off your debt. We want to be 
We want to look to where we're living above our means or we're not working as we ought to do. Okay. But let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man or fellow woman has fulfilled the law. Wow. This is a profound statement. Except the continuing debt to love one another. It's amazing as Paul is rolling on and the spirit of God is, is uh, just, you know, inspiring him as to what to, what to say, right? Inspiring the words um, with the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, right? And so we, apparently the debt to love one another, except the continuing debt to love one another will never be paid off. We are always indebted to show love for one another. Now just stop for a minute and think about that. How, how much are you consistently paying on that debt of love? Because thinking about it as I'm sitting here, I don't, it doesn't feel to me, I don't, uh, you know, just in my examination and as I'm sitting here, I don't feel like I'm paying it as I ought to. Now, it'll never get paid off, okay? All financial debt, you ought to have a, have a, have a goal and be intentional, about having your debt paid. But the only debt that will remain outstanding is the continuing debt to love one another. And we ought to be paying that on that all the time. But when I look at my own life, I can often see this consistent love for myself. Every single one of us loves ourselves. You may not like yourself, okay? Um, there's this false idea going around that you have to learn to love yourself, okay? And that's a misuse of what it means to love yourself, okay? Um, to love yourself, okay, simply means how much time you spend thinking about yourself and your life and your problems and your situations. And obviously, every single person in the world thinks about their life, their problems, their frustrations, their issues, their anxieties, their depression, their finances, their money, their wife, their kids. We're consumed with our own life, okay? Now, again, if we have if we have issues that are real, okay, they're completely real with anxiety or depression or or just you know or, or just different types of emotional issues. We may not like ourselves, so to speak, but we certainly do love ourselves because again, you can tell what you love most by what you think about most. And every person in the world, no matter what their problems are, consistently thinks about themselves and their lives, and you know the things that they want for their lives more than anything else. So to love your neighbor as yourself is to stop thinking about me and my life and my situations and my problems and my issues and my anxieties and my money and my ministry. Again, my wife, my kids, um, you know, my fun, my games, you know, uh, my baseball team. And to think about my neighbor and how his life is going, how are, how are things going with his family and, or her family and their job and their situation, right? Does that make sense? To think about them. We're all consumed with our own life. So we have a debt to continue to love one another. And Father, I ask you to help us to do that. Forgive me, Father, where I have, I believe, consistently falling short of uh, paying off this debt of loving my brothers and sisters in Christ and those who aren't in Christ. Verse 9. 
It says, for he who loves his fellow man, verse eight, has fulfilled the law. So think about this. You can fulfill the entire Old Testament law. Everything that's written in the Old Testament, you can fulfill by love. It's kind of a weighty statement, right? Verse nine, the commandments. These are in the 10 commandments, right? Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not covet. Okay. All relational commandments, all commandments with how we deal with one another, right? Do not murder one another. Do not steal from one another. Do not covet from one another, right? Um, do not commit adultery against one another. All of these are horizontal commands, okay? There are commandments that deal vertically with us, with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. See, there I could have just said God, right? But again, the more we use these relational terms, the terms of each person of the Trinity, the more we'll grow in relationship with them, okay? So the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And look what Paul says here. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, Scott, right? So the Ten Commandments are summed up in the, in the command to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we just talked about that. How do you love yourself? Every single person loves themselves. Okay. This is, you know, um, when, when Paul said this, he wasn't, he wasn't thinking about, you know, the, the therapy or the philosophy of what it means to, to love yourself from an emotional level. This simply means to love your neighbor as you love yourself is the priority that you put on yourself in your life, in your well-being, in your happiness, in your contentment, in your pleasures, in your family, in your wife, in your kids, in your husband, in your parents, right? Those things that are of your own interests, begin to love your neighbor who's ever nigh to you or near to you in that way. And again, every single person in the world, all 8 billion people in the world do prioritize their own desires, their own life, their own interests, right? Their own pleasures. And so that's what it means. The way you think about yourself and are completely consumed with your life and your interests and your hobbies and your finances and your money and your wife and your kids. I'm trying to make this very clear here. Begin to be concerned about others' lives in all that way. That's what it means to love your neighbor as you certainly do love yourself. Now, again, we may have emotional situations. We may have, you know, mental issues where we really don't like ourselves. Okay. But we certainly all love ourselves in this way. This is a form of self-love that's just ingrained in us. It's part of our being, right? Um, and it's exacerbated by the sinful nature. Verse 10, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Very very profound statement on love, right? Love does no harm to its neighbor, okay? When you truly love somebody, right? When you're acting in love from somebody, this is not a feeling, okay? When you're acting in intentional love towards someone, you're never going to harm them, okay? Now, we discipline our children out of, out of love, right? We often have to say no at times, but it ought to be out of love, right? Because we're concerned for the other person. And, and if, we, if we take the time as growing and mature Christians, we ought to be consistently looking at ourselves to see 
you know, how much and, you know, how much we do things and why we do them. What is the motive of our heart, right? Are we doing them out of a genuine, other-centered, sacrificial love? Or do we have a, a motive where we're seeking our own, right? In the famous chapter on love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking, okay? Oftentimes, you know, when we're, quote, loving someone, it, we're really loving them, looking to be loved back. That's not love, then. That's a perversion of love. It's not a genuine, biblical, other-centered, Christ-centered, Jesus-centered love. Love is not self-seeking, okay? We, we shouldn't be loving people with the motive that will be loved back, and again, if we step back and examine ourselves, we'll undoubtedly see that, that oftentimes, I certainly see it in my own life, that there are elements of this self-seek, self-seeking love in you. And we just simply want to repent and say, Father, we ask you to help us in this. Help us, forgive us where we're self-seeking in our love. Verse 11. And do this, this meaning, let no debt remain outstanding, Right? Uh, loving one another in all these ways, and do this, Paul says, verse 11, understanding the present time. So just stop there. We should be understanding the time we live in, okay? The more we grow in Christ, the more we mature in Christ, the more we really are looking to understand the present time. What is he saying? And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. This is important. He's talking to believers here. Okay, you see this, May? And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. He is speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers in Jesus Christ who are living their lives as if they're asleep. This verse would apply to the vast majority, the 99 percentile of the church today. They may be saved. They may have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But the vast majority of people who are Christians um, and who would say they believe in Jesus, they're trusting in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're, they're still they're asleep on their feet. They are, uh, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're not understanding the present time. They're not living their lives with an urgency that, that Christ could take them home at any time. As Christians, we ought to consistently have in our mind that, that Jesus could come not only at any time and that, you know, you know, we're getting older, okay? Do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our, our salvation is nearer now than we first believed today. When you're listening to this, your salvation is, is nearer now. You're closer now to the fulfillment. He's not talking about being saved here. Um, you, know, you know, all of us are, are saved. We're, we're, we receive Jesus Christ as our salvation. We're saved. We're being saved. We will be saved. He's talking about the, 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 the ultimate, you know, completion of our salvation, which is when we leave this body and we go to be with Jesus, right? Um, that's nearer now. It's nearer today than it was yesterday. Every day we're alive 
on this earth, on this side of heaven, we're closer now than we were yesterday. And so the exhortation is for us to wake up and to begin to live our lives in a more serious, Christ-centered way. Okay? Verse 12. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. It's almost over again. Um, Paul is saying that this life, you know, it's we still live with darkness around us, right? Um, again, we're not talking about physical darkness here. He's talking, this is a metaphor. The night is nearly over, okay? This season is a very short season. The season that we're alive, alive in this life, it's nearly over. Compa compared to eternity, the rest of our lives on this earth, whether we have 80, 70, 60, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, one year or one day left, it's nearly over in the scope of eternity. Does that make sense? The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Okay. When we leave this life, there'll be no more night. Right. And Revelation says there'll be no more night. There'll be no more darkness. There'll be, there'll be no more sin. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. How nice it'll be if Jesus could come back today. Right. It's, it's you know, it's not that we want to die right away. Right. But, you know, if we die and we leave this life, we'll go to be with Jesus immediately. We'll be conscious and we'll be with Jesus. But we should all desire Jesus to come back and establish his rule and reign on this earth. Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and earth right now, but he's clearly not fully exercising that authority like he will one day, where every aspect of his rule and every person will behave as if under his rule. Okay, that's clearly not the case now, but he's still Lord of heaven and earth. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here, y'all. So again, we, uh, we want to live our lives. We need to live our lives. Like this life, it could be over at any time. And again, he calls it night. It's, it's, it's a time in this life where we still live in this world. We still live with sin everywhere around us. We're still having to battle the, the, the temptations of our own sinful nature. Um, we're still having to battle the spiritual forces of darkness. That could be over at any time. The, the day is almost here. The time for us to leave this life and go to heaven or for Jesus to come and establish heaven on earth is almost here. Wow. Verse 12, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Wow. Again, strong exhortation. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers here, Nathan. Okay. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Again, any sin, anything that we do, Kristen, that's contrary to the word of God, the son of God, the will of God, anything we do that's deliberately not pleasing to him is a deed of darkness. And, you know, uh, much of sin is done when it's physically dark, right? Um, verse 13, look at it says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. So again, oftentimes much of the sin that we live in is actually done under the, the cover of night, of physical darkness, right? And that's a, that's a, that's a good way for us to look at it, right? Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies, in drunkenness. Most of the drunkenness, orgies, 
sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, and jealousy. These things are most often practiced under the cover of darkness. So again, we want to behave decently as in the daytime where, you know, where people can freely see our behavior, okay? So let us put aside, again, verse 12, the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Wow, how would we do that? Um, there's a teaching um, that, again, if uh, you can go into the podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast or on YouTube, of putting on the armor of God. And my wife has listened to it so many times, I don't know, and shared it. Where, where I walk through how I put on the armor of God, right? It's Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, um, on how to get dressed, praying on the armor of God literally every single day, right? Shortly after you wake up. And I've done that for many years. Um, but here we're called to put on the armor of light, okay? So again, we put aside the deeds of darkness and we get dressed in what Paul is calling here in this metaphor, the armor of light, okay? Just think about an armor of light when you get dressed with armor, right? Armor protects you, right, from being harmed. The more you put on and intentionally get dressed in the light of the Son of God, Jesus, and the light of the Word of God, the more resistance you'll have to the darkness and the temptations of sin. Wow, that sounds good, doesn't it? Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, we want to get dressed in the armor of light. We want to put on Jesus Christ. And again, as he says in 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on Jesus Christ. That's how you, that's how you put on the armor of light, verse 12. Verse 14, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We want to intentionally put on Jesus. And as I said earlier at the beginning of the teaching, that happens as you think about Jesus, as you talk about Jesus, as you study the word of God, as you spend time reading and studying and praying um, as you spend time in praise and worship and thanksgiving, as you spend time in repentance, as you spend time walking through the 20 teaching series that my son-in-law Nathan asked me to do on being a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is how you put on and clothe yourselves and get dressed in Jesus, get dressed intentionally looking to, to live for Jesus, to love for Jesus, to give for Jesus and to forgive for Jesus. Wow, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace in our lives. Father, we ask you to, to help us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us this day and every day of our lives to rather clothe ourselves with our Lord Jesus Christ, that we might not consistently be thinking about how to gratify the desires of our sinful nature. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us and lead us and guide us one and all to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And I ask you to help us, Father, to continually look to pay on that debt, that debt that will never get be that debt that will never be paid to love our neighbor as we love ourselves and to continually pay on that debt, to continually walk in love to not only our brothers and sisters in Christ, but to all those who are not yet Christians as well. 
Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.